Good morning, everybody. Um, 2020 is our journey with the presence of God, in the presence of God, into the presence of God, and allowing it to transform our lives. It's an incredible journey. So this morning, I want to look at something that is not beneficial to our journey. Then I hope something that will be helpful and beneficial to our journey. And then finally, an example of Christ in the way he navigated a certain pivotal moment in his journey. So we go to our uh, thinking about that which is not beneficial. We go to our scripture, one of our key scriptures in Psalm 46, verse 4. And it begins, there is a river, the streams of which. And straight away, every Australian kid is in the story because we know about rivers and we know about tributaries and we know about streams and creeks. There's another body of water that we know about as well. And it is a billabong. I want to talk about that for a moment. A billabong is a body of water that is left behind when the river changes direction. It's characterized by stagnancy and isolation. We would say for us, it is what happens not when we stay stuck, but sorry, not when we get stuck, but when we stay stuck. When I started to think about this, two memories came and I'm going to bring both of them to you, little illustrations and what I think they represent to us about Billabong faith. The first memory came back after some decades. I was a very young woman. I met this very vibrant Christian woman who seemed to be uh, incredibly devout in the way she conducted her dailiness. And she told me that every morning, every morning, she would line up her children and dress them in the armor of God. Every morning, her children left the house to go to war. They didn't leave the house to go and have a good time or go to school and learn or to enjoy life. They went to war every morning. I hope they're not still clanking and rattling their way to heaven for sure. But how does that illustrate to us the possibilities of billabong faith? My late mentor, Dr. Lois Burkett, taught me that truth taken to extreme is error. What this woman was doing was overloading on one very important teaching and ignoring so many other things. Truth taken to extreme will land us in a billabong. The second memory came because of a mistake I made a couple of weeks ago when I was speaking to you and instead of using our word illuminativa, I said illuminata and I didn't realise it until I listened to myself preach um, a few days later when, it was, when the recording came through. That's just one vowel away from illuminati and that brought the memory back. It was the late 70s and some guy had written a book about the Illuminati. And my facts are now a bit sketchy, but by about the mid 80s, I think it was, we were meant to be living in Boona in tents, growing potatoes and keeping an eye out for militia that I think had one eye in the middle of their forehead and their head was shaped like a triangle. I don't know, the facts are sketchy, but um, I can remember one Sunday, a very fine woman 
a good woman who loved God with all of her heart, telling me that she had spent that week preserving jam in readiness for this migration to wherever it was we were meant to go. I want you to think about that for a minute. You're in a tent in Boona and you hear a bit of a commotion and you lift the flap of your tent and you see the Illuminati coming. You know it's them because they've just got the one eye in the middle of their triangular head. And so you say to your husband, Bert, you get the kids, I'll get the jam. Conspiracy theories will always land us in the waltzing Matilda of billabongs. My father taught me, don't polarise, it's too hard to come back. It's not just conspiracies that make us polarise, it's polarising on anything. Those things will land us in places of isolation and stagnation. God in his kindness will always make a way for us to come back into a river when we find ourselves not just in a stuck place, but staying stuck. The risk with the billabong sometimes is we can put up fairy lights and we can go through rebranding exercises every couple of years and we can even send an outboard motor around to do a couple of laps with the idea that it's creating a little bit of action. But all of that only lasts as long as the petrol is in the tank. We aren't built for billabong living. We are built for river living, river dwelling. We're built to live in the presence of God. So let's leave the glum stuff behind. And by the way, I've just mentioned two of many things that can cause us to end up in what I'm calling billabong faith. I want to take us now to something far more right and something that's a far greater fit for us, which is living spiritually or spirit living, being spirit led. There are some words of Jesus um, listed in, written in John 7, uh, verse 38, where Jesus says, as the scriptures have said, now I've checked quite a few commentaries and none of them are saying they know what scripture Jesus was referring to, but there would have been many. Isaiah 12, therefore with joy you'll draw water from the well of salvation. Um, Isaiah 44, in fact, I'm now in John 7. In John 4, he described himself as the source of living water. So Jesus is saying to the listeners, as the scriptures have said, so straight away they've got a context. Then he says, out of your, and this is old King James language, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Other translations might say, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water living water. And then in verse 39, John now explains what Jesus had just said by saying he was referring to the spirit which was yet to come. Well, for those listeners, it was yet to come. For us, it has come. Holy Spirit indwells us. So the spirit indwelling us causes living water to flow. Um, the Greek word that was translated belly in the King James Version is also the word used for womb. That's quite lovely, isn't it? Out of the place in us where life can be formed, incubated, from which life is birthed, 
living water is to flow. So it's not an anatomical reference, but you'll often find that older believers, when they are referring to their spirit, they might put their hand in the centre of their being. It's like the core of us. How do we get to be spirit-led uh, with this beautiful gush of life that flows from within? Well, in an ideal world, the essence of us, Old Testament word lab, mind, will, emotion, New Testament word suke, the essence of us, what makes you different to me, our uniqueness, they are the earthbound parts of us. And in an ideal world, there is this glorious interlacing between the earthbound part of us and the living water that flows from our being, the spirit part of us, the eternal part of us. It doesn't always work like that. Um, two weeks ago, Clem brought that beautiful word on uh, the, um, out of Romans 8 about being spirit-led people. Well, in Romans 7, Paul himself shows how difficult it is to maintain this interlacing. He says, the things I do, I shouldn't do. The things I should do, I don't do. And so he made reference to uh, the gap that can take place between the flow of spirit life in us and our earthbound tendencies. So what are we meant to do about this? As we walk with God, our desire is that our mind, our will and our emotions will submit themselves to the Lordship of Christ, to the flow of spirit life within us. When we allow our essence of who we are to be dominant, when we suppress the flow of spirit life, you can see just by the way I'm using my hands that we've created an imbalance and we've certainly lost that glorious interlacing that causes us to go through life with genuine integrity. I was wondering how best to illustrate this to you, um, particularly for those of you who are young chronologically or young in your faith. Um, have you ever listened to the cellist, Yo-Yo Ma? Um, he's just magnificent. And when he's playing, he's now in his 60s, and I think he learned, started to play when he was four. And when he, was, when he is playing, he is rapturously lost in his music. He's not focused on where his fingers go. He's just playing and it's wonderful. The sound is so resonant, so rich. When he began, little tapes would have been put over the neck of the cello. See, there's no fret marks on a cello. There's nothing telling the player where to put their fingers. But when he began, there would have been little markings to help him learn where to place his finger to get a certain sound. And as he got more proficient, they would have been removed. And now muscle memory helps him know exactly where to place his finger to get the right sound. That's just like that with us, as we're seeking to bring our humanness into submission to the eternal part of us, the spirit-led part of us, the Lordship of Jesus Christ we start to have a sense of something and whether or not we land that perfectly is not the point. The point is we get a sense of it. And once we start to flow with that sense of what we should or shouldn't do, how we should or shouldn't speak, how we should or shouldn't respond, um, sooner or later that just becomes spiritual muscle memory. But remember, 
we are always seeking to submit our humanity or our earthbound selves to the Lordship of Christ. Now I said we'd finish by looking at what Jesus did himself. Can you remember, um, I think it was earlier this year, Josh spoke at length and Graham has spoken at length about the river flowing from the garden. Well, the first garden, I, I love the first garden, but it's the second garden I need. It's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and he knows what's coming up. He knows he's going to hurt beyond the hurt levels of any human person to be able to manage. And he's also going to hurt in his spirit because of the necessary separation from God who is without sin. He's taking our sin and the pain of what is ahead in his humanness causes him to look to the Father and say, will you take this cup of suffering from me? In his humanity, he owned his weakness. And then, praise God, he goes on to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In my weakness, here's where I'd like to live, but there is a higher plan, and I choose to allow my weakness to submit to your strength. That is where we live, and that is how we become spirit-led dwellers. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' precious name. We are so grateful for the modelling and the example of your life, Christ, as you showed us the value, the impact, the importance of allowing our weakness to submit to the strength of your purposes in our lives. We long to do this journey as well as we can. Lord, on behalf of my brothers and sisters, I'm just saying to you, we long to do this journey as well as we can, but we are weighed down by our humanness. We're sometimes weighed down by getting ourselves bogged down in peripheries, in unnecessary things, in conspiracies or doctrines taken to excess or disappointments. We get, we get ourselves weighed down. And today I'm asking you, Lord, for your mercy to so envelop us that we realise the benefit of leaving our stuck places, of laying down our rights to our humanness. Help us understand that that which is earthbound has much good about it, but unless it submits itself to your Lordship, it is going to be an impediment to us in this journey of faith. Lord, I pray that we will continue to use this time where perhaps we can reflect more than usual. Let us continue to use this time profitably. I pray blessing upon the week ahead for my brothers and sisters. In your precious and holy name, amen.